some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin, presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone on a chilly, let's just call it flat out, cold day and cold evening here in Nashville. My name is Jason Martin. Luckily, I'm not in too cold. It's always cold in this studio for some reason. I could be in the middle of July and still need a hoodie in here. It's a problem. It's a first world problem. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can find me there. 615-737-1045 is how you reach this program. Murphy Fair joins me next segment. Get you all set for tonight's first round of the Tennessee high school football playoffs. Some nice matchups, as a matter of fact. And we will break those all down for you. Also, some coaching news in the high school ranks. And some other things to rant about later on, including OJ Simpson. Yep, that's a thing that's going to happen on this show. But let's talk this segment about the big game Sunday at Nissan Stadium with Titans and Chiefs. Actually, before we do that, I'm blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this finds you and yours doing exceedingly well in your lives. And as always, at Jmart Zone, DMs wide open, faith-based conversations. If you need to have one of those, I'm certainly available. So the Titans basically have to win on Sunday against Kansas City. If you don't, you've lost six games. The season's basically a wrap. Newsflash, the Titans are not going to win on Sunday against Kansas City, but the good news is the season was a wrap already, so it shouldn't be disappointing anymore. There was news earlier today, Patrick Mahomes back on the field for the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday against the Titans. That's not terribly surprising. After you beat Minnesota last week with Matt Moore, that's about all you could have hoped for with Kansas City, especially how he played in the loss against Green Bay. He played really well in that game, too. So now you bring on your MVP candidate, your Madden 20 cover athlete megastar, and you let him attempt to dissect the Tennessee Titans defense. And we know that the D has held up pretty well overall this season, but they've been asked to do so much as the offense just sputters and stumbles around. Maybe the Bears have asked their defense to do more. Some people mentioned the Bills to me when I put that question out on Twitter on Sunday. I would say the Titans are asking more than the Bills are at this stage. All these reps are adding up, and now you add Malcolm Butler to that injury list on IR with a broken wrist. So in comes LaShawn Sims, which that's not good if you saw how Sims performed when he was out there trying to cover Mike Evans. Maybe he'll do better this time. I don't know. The Chiefs defense, they're nothing special but they are vastly improved from a season ago. 
the Chiefs can now win games scoring 30 points rather than 45. And that does feel like an upgrade worth mentioning. This was a unit that was dead last, according to Football Outsiders last year, especially in run defense. They were just putrid, giving up nearly five yards a carry. This year, though, DVOA has them near the middle of the pack in most categories. They're still in the bottom five in rush defense, but they're getting better. Carolina was terrible in run defense as well. In fact, they were dead last in the league going into last week's game, yet Derrick Henry got all of two carries in the first half. 32nd in rush defense, Derrick Henry not a part of your offense in the first half. Kansas City 28th by that metric going into last week. But over the past three weeks, the Chiefs' run defense has woken up. They're now just giving up about 3.6 yards a rush. Three guys up front, big guys, doing a lot of the work. They're pushing opposing offensive linemen around. Uh Uh-oh. That doesn't sound great based on the Matador line I've seen in Nashville this year, but still probably a place to try and exploit if the offensive line can hold up at all. I don't know if they can, but if they can, that's the way you'd want to apply them. The Chiefs are fourth against the pass in the NFL, just as an FYI. DVOA, which is the metric I always go to most, and Football Outsiders sort of, it's their comprehensive defensive value above replacement. Has Kansas City at 11th best in the league overall. Tennessee is 12th. But back to our injuries. Corey Davis, doubtful with a hip. Delaney Walker, Jarrell Casey, both out. Jayon Brown, out. I don't really know how else to say this, folks. A lot of times I wait until the end to give you my prediction. But this is going to be a blowout. I I thought this might be a blowout. This is going to be a blowout. Like, this is going to be a 35-10, to 35-13 kind of football game. That's how it feels to me. I've tried to figure it out any other way, and it's just not there. There's too many key guys that are missing off this team that still looks about one or two steps away from internal detonation. Jeffrey Simmons, a little bit of good news, full participant today. That is good. But honestly, I wouldn't have been picking the Titans to win at full strength, and certainly I'm not going to in this condition. Last year, and I've mentioned this before, the Titans were at their best against the best opponents, most notably at home in the overtime win against Philly and the domination of the Pats. So there's a small voice, tiny voice, nagging me to think of this as that same kind of deal. Here comes another one of these teams. They're going to step up and play him tough. I'm not listening to that voice this time because I haven't seen Ryan Tannehill in this kind of scenario. I also haven't seen Arthur Smith as the offensive coordinator in a spot like this. I look at Derrick Henry and I think very average. Not because he's not capable of more, but the offensive line has been so bad that I would suggest to you that the essence of football itself has been taken away from Derrick Henry. Let me lay this out for you as simply as I know how. Football is a game of space. It's real simple. This is how you explain it to somebody who has no idea what the essence of football is. The offense attempts to create space. They attempt to cleverly design situations and scenarios on the field to get guys the most space possible in which to run, to catch, certainly to throw, and ultimately because of that space to score. And then the defense attempts to take away, eliminate, erase as much space as possible, making gaining yards difficult or downright impossible unless you're just that powerful or you're dealing with an overmatched group. That's when you get to the 
SEC playing against an FCS opponent, for example. Maybe they can try to take up the space, but they just don't have the size up front. Derrick Henry's got a lot of power. We know this. But he's getting hit behind the line of scrimmage, or he's feeling contact at the mesh point. Like immediately, as soon as he gets the football, there's somebody right there. And then there's Deion Lewis, but that mention of him is probably all we need. And I would say that the last eight seconds or so that I've mentioned Deion Lewis is about the length of time he should be on the field on Sunday, unless he's out there to spell an exhausted Derrick Henry. You have heard me this year say a lot of good stuff about A.J. Brown. I love the guy. I'm real fond of what I've seen from him. And they've got to get him the ball early and often on Sunday. I'm talking like double-figure target kind of levels. Now, if there's no Corey Davis out there, that means he's probably not going to have all of that coveted space that I just laid out for you. But he's a physical receiver, big, nice hands, and that kind of attitude that tells me that finding him is going to be a smart decision for Tennessee to make more often than not. Depending on where you look, Kansas City is about a six-point favorite on the road which I think is some credit to the Titans' defense. Still giving up just 18.7 points per game. And like I told you, the Chiefs are better, but they're still not great on that side of the ball. They're giving up 29 points per game. Now, it's gotten better recently. I'll lay out a little bit more for you here in just a second. But a lot of the bad stuff was early in the season. The last three weeks, huge strides. They've jumped from 17 to 11 in DVOA at Football Outsiders and weighted D rankings. And that's just between weeks eight and nine. They took a six-spot leap. I was reading at Arrowhead Pride, Craig Stout, who does a really good job for them, an SB Nation KC site. Chiefs are only giving up first downs on 25% of third and five or longer this season. Against the Vikings, they had a 60 percent completion and success rate minimum in every defensive formation for every quarter and it's now the second time they've done that under Steve Spagnuolo the new defensive coordinator they didn't pull it off once last year and there's one other thing about the Chiefs defense and that is that and this is the Mahomes factor possessions are a lot shorter with Patrick Mahomes out there instead of Matt Moore That means that the defense is going to be on the field for more possessions. It means that fatigue can set in. I don't know that that helps your chances of winning, but it does mean you can score more points while losing, which I guess that's something. I mean, you're still going to be taking the ball out underneath the rim, basically, if you're trying to do this from a basketball analogy, because they're going to score on most of these possessions, but they're going to score faster. The question is, can you match them? And the answer is, of course you can't. The Tennessee Titans, since the explosion against Cleveland where they had the 43 points, they're averaging 15.6 points per game. 15.6. That's 26th in the NFL in points. It's 26th in the NFL in total yards. If you want to look at places, I still think you have to try to run against them. Keep Mahomes on the bench if you can and chew up some of this clock. But the offensive line's got to be better than it's been. You heard me say what I said about Taylor Lewan on Wednesday night. And somebody tweeted me and said, I don't think that you're being fair saying that Taylor Lewan's not a leader because he didn't defend himself against what Eddie George said on the midday 180 on Tuesday. I didn't even bother replying to the tweet, but I didn't say he wasn't a leader because he didn't defend himself. I'm saying he's not a leader because he's not a leader. Because I've watched how he's played. 
doesn't matter what he says. Eventually, what he says becomes a detriment because he doesn't back it up on the field. But if you want to look at one other thing, it's this. The linebackers for the Chiefs this year have had real trouble covering running backs as receivers in the open field. You might want to try to challenge them there if you can. Now, that has not been a real tenet of this offense, but if you look at the screen game, if you look at maybe you can find something. I always thought Deion Lewis was going to be a lot better as a receiver out of the backfield than he has tended to be, but he's gotten more opportunities as a receiver than Derrick Henry has. But that's a place where they have given up a lot of yards this season. Nobody, though, in the NFL, back to the offensive line, has given up more sacks this season than the Tennessee Titans. 4.2 per game. And there's blame to go around here. It's definitely a function of the offensive line, or maybe I should say a malfunction of the offensive line. But there's also something to be said for Mariota holding the football too long, which has led to him now holding a clipboard on the sidelines as long as he'd like. And Tannehill, he, he's gotten the ball out of his hands more often, but I haven't been like summarily impressed with that, but at least he's not taking sacks where I clearly look at it and say, oh, that is totally on him for not getting rid of the football. I got sick and tired of getting sick and tired of watching Mariota and immediately thinking that was a sack that could have been avoided if the quarterback had just gotten rid of the football. But if you look at every metric, if you look at every statistic, if you look at every single story going into this game, it says blowout. It doesn't say close. It doesn't say Titans upset. It says Chiefs win. Chiefs are a six-point favorite. I'm telling you, folks, I think this is a three-touchdown kind of game. Even I, If you look at the guys that are out, you just can't feel good about yourself. The Delaney Walker thing is discouraging. He's missing another game. Jarrell Casey being out. Simmons hopefully can play. Jayon Brown is out. Corey Davis is out or probably out. He's doubtful right now. And Malcolm Butler is done, and you've got to put LaShawn Sims in there because of the broken wrist. There's no way I can look at this and say, I would, look, if Matt Moore was in there, I'd still say the Chiefs are probably going to win the game by 10. That's, that's how I feel about the Titans right now. The season ended in Denver. It ended when you lost to Buffalo and then went to mile high and got embarrassed by a bad Broncos team. That was the end of the season because there were too many places where losses could easily happen for you that you had to get a few. You had to get a toss-up, and you had to get one where you were better than the other team, and you weren't. So maybe that meant you weren't better to begin with. But I can tell you that this team holding home court, holding home field against this Chiefs team, even if Mahomes is not fully back, even if he's 90%, or he's not quite sure of himself just yet, there's just no way, folks. I'll eat my words. I'll be glad to eat my words. I'll be hosting the Wake Up Zone Monday through Thursday next week, so you can hear me first thing on Monday morning. And I will eat crow if I'm wrong about this. Gladly. I'm not rooting against them, and I'm not rooting for my prediction just because it's my prediction but I'm paid to have predictions. I'm paid to have opinions. And my opinion is they get housed on Sunday with a probably pretty loud Chiefs crowd in this building too. 
this is the one that feels like it's kind of the death now on the season. If you're still holding out hope, I don't think you're going to have any hope about 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Just my opinion. When we come back, another guy with opinions, Murphy Fair. We will talk high school football with him. Stick around. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back, Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Blessed as always to have you as a part of my audience. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. 615-737-1045. That's how you reach the program if you dropped off during the break. Talk some high school football this segment, but we will take some calls later in the show. If you want to go ahead and line them up, Ryan Albanese, behind the glass, spin the dials, radio style for me. Murphy Fair is brought to you by Renters. Well, we're actually brought to you by Renters Warehouse, but Murphy Fair is brought to you by Ascent Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association. To learn more about Ascend, visit ascend.org. And to learn more about high school football, you can't do much better than this. Murphy, how are you this evening? Hey, I'm doing great, but I've got a question for you, Jason. All right. On, congratulations on hosting the Wake Up Zone next week. Yeah. But what time do you have to get up in the morning to do that? Uh, it's pretty early. Next week's going to be a busy week. Four days. That show starts at 6 o'clock. And the reason it's not five days is because the fifth day I'm in for Clay Travis uh, hosting the morning show nationally for Fox Sports Radio. So it's 6 a.m. The show starts Monday through Thursday and then 5 a.m. on Friday. And then Sunday morning, the Jason Martin show starts at 2 a.m. So, yeah, that would be your answer. Sleep is a luxury, certainly not anything that I can point to as something that's going to happen very much over the next week or so. So do you just have a cot in the, in the yeah. studio with your name on it? I don't think my new <laughs> wife would appreciate that very much. So it's just, it's a, She might appreciate that more than you waking her up at 3 o'clock. Fair point. Morning, <laughs> very, very fair point. Uh, thank goodness for coffee, and thank goodness for my addiction to it. But, Murph, we... Haven't been talking that long, and all of a sudden, the playoffs have arrived. First round of the playoffs tonight, actually some pretty decent matchups in the area. Where are you at this evening? I'm at Murphy's, in Murfreesboro at Middle Tennessee Christian School, and a lot of people might be scratching their head why, why but of the five semifinalists for Mr. Football in uh, Division Two single A, two of them are in this game. Uh, a young man by the name of Kamari McGowan, who... Uh, who has been the go-to guy for Middle Tennessee Christian now in his fourth year and uh, outstanding running back. But then Rube Scott Ray, the quarterback at Fayette Academy, uh, was the finalist last year also. And this guy kind of does it all. They describe him as a linebacker playing quarterback. Uh, he, he loves the contact, 6'1", 205 or so, and uh, a pretty good guy with the ball in his hand. So it should be an interesting ball game, but I think most of the most of the good games tonight are going to be ones where you've got a number two against a number three or something like that because most of the number ones versus number fours in the opening round are generally blowouts. But you can always count on one or two, number four, coming away with a winner and a number one going home after one week in the postseason. Yeah, we'll talk about one of those two threes here in a second. Maybe the Maybe the game of the night happening here locally, but that game that you're at, that looks like it's one where a whole lot of points might get scored. Those are two teams that move the ball a lot, that get it into the end zone a lot. That's one where 40 might not actually win it. So that could be a lot of fun to see. 
Could very well be the case. We've had a fairly decent week as far as rain is concerned, so a lot of the fields are in fairly good shape to be uh, the 12th week of the season. A uh, little crisp, but it's supposed to be in early to mid-November, so uh, I look for a good turnout. Fayette Academy over in Somerville, Tennessee, a little bit of a little bit of a trip for those guys, probably about three, three and a half hours, something like that. But when the playoffs roll around, you'll go wherever you'll go wherever you are suggested to go. Uh, just so that you can keep playing for another week. Summit Gallatin, eight and two. Summit nine and one. Gallatin. Summit hasn't had their quarterback for a few games, but he's back now, uh, fully healthy. He missed Franklin County. He missed a game against Page, but he's ready to go. But Gallatin, we know how Gallatin's been. We know how they've been all year. They've got Spencer Briggs over fifteen hundred yards on the ground, fifteen total touchdowns in eight games. Might be tough for Summit, but. A really nice matchup this early in the playoffs. Well, it is, and if you look at that quarter bracket, that uh, those eight teams that are playing in that third section of the overall bracket, you've got four incredible football teams in Page, Galveston, Shovelville, and Beach. Uh, those four teams collectively have three losses in their forty tries this year. Uh, so it's uh, it's one to to keep an eye on. You know, probably for the next tonight and two more weeks too, because there's going to be some great football involving those eight teams and and who knows one of those one of those four that i just mentioned may be the one that goes by the wayside uh i think summit could very well be that team gallatin's a very good football team this year uh but i've got a lot of respect for brian coleman too and what he uh has done in his brief stint there at summit high school that's a that's a team nobody wants to line up against but probably the same could be said for gallatin as well murphy ravenwoods won five in a row Stewart's Creek, another 8-2 and two team that isn't going to get a chance to host. They're on the road against a really, really tough opponent. This just looks like a bad draw if you're Stewart's Creek. Like you're in a situation where you thought you might be playing in a friendly environment. Now not only are you not playing in a friendly environment, you're playing against a really good team that's really hot right now. The guy behind the glass told me before I came on the air that he had gotten a question in regard to where that game was going to be played. The caller said that he was sitting in the parking lot at Ravenwood High School, and he was the only one there. Uh, hmm. I did hear some rumblings earlier in the week that maybe the field at Ravenwood isn't exactly uh, the, the way they would like it to be. Maybe it hasn't drained properly. I don't know. Uh, but there is at least one or two people that think that game might be played uh, somewhere other than Ravenwood. So maybe maybe a phone call or two along the way can uh, straighten that out before we get to the 7 o'clock hour. At any rate, yeah. it should be a pretty good game too but i think uh i think ravenwood's probably the team to win that one independent smyrna franklin cane ridge how do you see those two stacking up tonight uh i kind of like i kind of like uh cane ridge in the second game you mentioned but in the first one i'd be afraid to bet a dollar either way on mm-hmm. that one uh uh, I, I think Matt Williams has got a pretty good Smyrna team that is peaking right now and, and playing awfully well. Uh, but that's a dangerous opponent that they're having to having to go up against also. And uh, uh, the outcome of that game, whichever way it winds up being, uh, wouldn't surprise me a whole lot. Uh, I think, looking at my bracket here, I've picked Independence to win that one, but that's the number two against the number three. And uh, I think it's probably going to boil down to uh, turnovers, as it always seems to do in a in a closely fought battle like that, the uh, the quarterback at Indy's a uh, pretty good 
pretty good guy who can throw the heck out of the football. He's got some kids who, who can catch it, and Scott Blade doesn't mind uh, calling a pass play every once in a while. So I think the uh, Smyrna secondary is probably going to be tested as much as it has all season long, and I look for that one to be a, a good game for the fans on both sides of the field. I mentioned Ravenwood being red hot, winning five in a row. Lipscomb Academy has gone in the other direction. They've lost three in a row, but four of five. And that was a team that, you know, midway through the season, we were talking about just how much improvement we had seen from them from a season ago in Trent Dilfer's first year as head coach. Now this is a five and five team at Boyd Buchanan, an eight and two team. I still, I favor Lipscomb. But I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see them lose again. This it's it's interesting to see how they've struggled down the stretch. I think the injury bug has bothered that team as badly as it has anyone in the second half of the season. Uh, although that's been a that's been an issue all across the state, and we're not talking about just one or two injuries. We're talking five, six, seven, or more uh, to at least a half a dozen coaches, teams uh, that I have talked to in the last couple of weeks or so. And I think that's probably what's happened with the uh, Mustang football squad. Uh, and this Boyd Buchanan team is one that uh, has struggled the last three or four years. Uh, won a state championship several years ago, uh, but they've struggled the last several. Uh, but they've got a new coach in there who has turned things around overnight. And uh, I think Lipscomb will have a battle on paper, I think, if they're healthy. Uh, they advance to the second round and probably take on a Knoxville Grace team. Uh, coached by Rusty Bradley, who's throwing the heck out of the football like he always does. And uh, that's going to be a real battle. I look for Knoxville Grace to be one of the favorites in Division II AA. Uh, but they got to get past good pasture. And uh, even though Grace is 8-2 and two in good pastures, 4-6, and six, that's why they're playing, because you never know what's going to happen. Murphy, I know you know the coaches you know, intimately, and you speak to so many of them to put together your previews each year. And so... I think asking you about this guy, you you may have some knowledge past what a lot of us would, but Overton's made a move. They're letting Edgar Williams go after four years. In 2016, he was three and seven. That's the best that he's done. That, but that's a school though that hasn't made the postseason since '02. Since that point, they're 28 and 141. He was seven and 33. That team was one and nine this year. They beat Kingsbury. That's the only only team that they beat this year. And so Overton says, hey, they're going to go in a new direction. I guess I understand that. But the bigger question is, how in the world do you turn a program around that's been through that level of futility? Like, I don't, I don't, it just seems like that is not a job that you want because it's like a recipe for failure because it's so hard against the level of competition to try and find your way out of the cellar. Jason, if you have a radio that's glowing right now, it's glowing red because Edgar Williams is the coach at Overton in Memphis. Not, not John Overton in Nashville. Oh, okay. Well, gotcha. But, but don't feel like you're the Lone Ranger. Other people have made that mistake, too. There's there's two or three other situations where schools either have the same name or a very similar name. And as soon as you mentioned new, co- new coach, I knew they had a new coach at Overton in Nashville, uh, but his name is Cole Peoples. Yeah. Uh, and, and Edgar Williams has been at Overton, I think, for about four or five years in Memphis now. Yeah, four years. It's four school. years. Is it four? Okay. Yeah. But uh, they they have struggled. Uh, uh, well, the larger the larger question just being how do you, how do you turn around in a high school program where you know it's not necessarily all about recruiting and and all of those things like when you have faced that level of futility for that long, I don't know how you change something like that. Whoever it is that they've had there, 
this century basically has not been able to win there. And that's not just the case in Overton and Memphis. It's a case in, you know, other high school programs that struggle. Like in the NFL, you can make moves. In college, you can find a guy that can recruit a lot better. But in high school, a lot of it is out of your control. Well, uh, Memphis is a situation, and Nashville, as I understand it, is pretty much that way now uh, where they have open zoning. And kids can pretty much go wherever they want to. That's gone that's gone on somewhat illegally in the past, but now with open zones, uh, as far as public schools, there's about four or five schools out of close to 20 in Shelby County uh, that are public schools that are open zones, and, and there's four or five of them that are really good. Uh, at the top of the list is, uh, is uh, Whitehaven, and Rodney Salisbury knows where the athletes are and, and can legally recruit some of those kids uh, that may be a poor choice of words because the coaches are not supposed supposed to do that. But Whitehaven's a school in 6A that generally gets very, very close to the title game if they're not in it. And kids are just going to gradually uh, gravitate uh, toward uh, toward programs like that. And, and even though there may be 100 kids dressed out on Friday night at Whitehaven, uh, and you may or may not get a chance to get on the field, regardless of how good you are, there's still something to be said for a team that plays in a championship game two out of three years. Well, there are some good matchups tonight. A lot of times you get a lot of dog games in this first week of the postseason, but there are some good ones. I think you might see a, a pretty good shootout this evening. Next week we'll find out how it all shakes out, and it's always fun. And we're you know we're getting down. We're sooner or later we're going to be at Blue Cross Bowl doing this thing to find out who's going to win it for real. But all these games right now win and go home, so it couldn't be more fun, even though it's freezing cold out there. So find a way to stay warm. Hey, four weeks from last night is when the state championship games begin. So uh, try and get some sleep between now and Monday. Yeah, uh, right. Just in case, okay? Yeah, we'll see. All right, Murph, take care of yourself, buddy. Okay. You're the best. Thank you. See you, see you Jay. Thanks. That's Murphy Fair. He's brought to you by Ascend Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association. To learn more about Ascend, visit ascend.org. Coming up next, we will break down – a really big day in college football coming up tomorrow. And again, if you have thoughts on what I said about the Titans, am I wrong? Do you actually think the Titans have a shot against the Chiefs? Or am I right? And this is going to be a three or four touchdown blowout and pretty much the signal for anybody who is still holding on to hope that this season is over for the Tennessee Titans. 615-737-1045. We'll be right back here on 104.5 The Zone. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at JMartZone. Thanks to Murphy Fair for joining us here on the show. Talk a little bit of college here in just a second. But I said 615-737-1045. If you waited through, we would take your call. I say the Chiefs are going to blow the Titans out. But I'm willing to listen or just let you talk. So let's go to Ali in Nashville first. Ali, how are you? What's up, Jason? Hey, man. Uh, first of all, I'm a big fan of your work, man. Keep up the awesome articles and stuff that you have for 104.5 percent thank you man i appreciate um, you so call me crazy but when i when i my gut feeling is tennessee is going to find a way to pull this one out on sunday my my reasoning behind this is amy reed for some odd reason the titans have his number he's one in six against us um tell me if i'm wrong but i believe he's lost every single coach that the titans have had 
Mm. And I truly believe Mike Grable and staff will find a way to get over there. Second reason is how many times have we seen the Titans disappoint us the week before, come home and have their stadium taken over by opposing team fans, and a different Titans team shows up? I don't know what it is, but a different Titans team shows up when they've been counted out. So that's my two reasonings behind it that I really, really would feel like some way, somehow, especially after how bad stuck up as stuck up had last week of a game, that yep. stuck up hits the game winner or something. Okay. What do you think? All right. Well, I mean, I think you said call me crazy, but I don't want to call you crazy because I don't believe in calling people names. I find it hard to believe. I have to predict what I think is going to happen, and I'm trying my best to get away from that. I just got a feeling. I don't have a feeling. My feeling is that the Chiefs are the better team, that they've got too many weapons, that your defense is beaten up. And there were a lot of Buffalo fans that were here, and the Titans lost to the Bills. Mahomes, I don't know how mobile Mahomes is going to be. I mean, he's not going to be 100%, so he might not be quite as elusive. There are Chiefs fans that are worried about his performance, but I'm telling you, when you think about Brown being out and you think about Casey being out and Butler not being there and Sims being called upon to do more, it just I don't see it. I don't understand where all of that works. I mean, Sims struggled with Mike Evans, and Evans was the only one that really had to be accounted for. I mean, Godwin's a nice player for Tampa Bay, but that's who you had to account for a couple of weeks ago. Now you're talking about all of those guys. Kelsey and Hill and Watkins and Hardman. And, of course, Mahomes is there. And a defense that's gotten a little bit better. Could they win? Sure. Anybody could win. Anybody could beat any other team on any given Sunday. I'm not going to go into my Al Pacino voice because I can't do impressions. But if you look at every single statistic and you look at it objectively, the only smart thing to do is predict that the Titans are going to lose. If they win, then, look, there's a lot for us to talk about on Monday morning on the wake-up zone when I'm filling in for Mark Howard. But Mahomes being back on top of everything else, that's going to be a little bit of resurgence for the Chiefs. If he comes out and he's a little bit rusty, maybe you can take advantage of him and keep it close. I just don't see it. I think you're staring right down the barrel of about a 35-10 to 10. 38 to 14 kind of football game. This defense has to be exhausted. The offense is giving up not even, I mean, the offense is giving you 15.3 points a game. And you're taking out the leader, I would say, of the defense in Casey. You're taking out Jayon Brown, who's played great. And then off the offense, I mean, Walker's out again, Corey Davis, doubtful. I mean, these are big name guys. I know Davis hasn't really shown up a lot. I still am trying to figure out how much of that is him and how much of that is factors that he can't control. Right now, he doesn't look like the number five pick in the draft. Right now, Taylor Lewan certainly doesn't look like he should be paid what he's being paid to be the highest paid left tackle in football. There's a lot of these. Right now, this guy doesn't for the Tennessee Titans. And as for the coaching, I also think that we got to get away from this He's got this guy's number because they're different teams every year. This is Ryan Tannehill. This isn't Marcus Mariota. However you feel about that, Mariota's been the one that's been able to win a couple of those games in those situations. One thing 
Vrabel has said a lot of real nice things about Andy Reid, that Andy Reid has supported him and called him and helped him through the interview process. They are legitimately friends. Don't know what that means when you get out onto the field. I just know that Andy Reid is one of the top 10 offensive minds ever in the NFL. Never gets enough credit because he's blown games due to time management and other things where you can blemish him. But you can't blemish what he's done offensively and how smart he's been to surround himself with guys like Eric Bieniemy and listen to them and the coaching tree that he's produced. But he is going to have some wrinkles for you. And maybe Vrabel's going to pull out some fakes and pull out some craziness himself. The one point I do agree with Ali on, Suckup will not be as bad as he was a week ago. I don't know that he should have played a week ago, but I can't imagine that he's going to go 0 for 3 again. So maybe that does help you. Maybe that gets you beat 35-13 to 13 instead of 35-10. to 10. We'll be right back. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Down. Final segment this evening, final segment of the week here on the Big Six. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Coming up next, Chad Withrow and the crew. Football Friday night, Friday night finals. Gallatin Summit delayed because one of the teams has not arrived due to traffic. So indefinitely delayed. That's intriguing, to say the least. I just saw that on Twitter. I also saw on Twitter that, I guess Wired reported this, but it was already out there. Instagram, starting next week, is removing likes. They're making it so that you can hide likes and comments completely from your posts. But you can still see them yourself. Just no one else will see them. I saw Kim Kardashian put out something saying that she thought that that was probably really good. It can really affect your mental health if you're addicted to those things. You know what can affect your mental health? Being on social media, period. Because it really can become a sickness. To look at how many people have commented, how many people have liked, how many people have retweeted what they've said. And then, oh my gosh, is that true? Taking likes away means that your posts are just your posts and people don't have to see all the other stuff that's said. That's a positive step. But note that that stuff is still available for the poster to see. And the reason for that, I would say, is if you took that away, Instagram would die, and they know it. Because ultimately, these are basically points in a video game for the poster. The reason that a lot of people post is because They think a lot of people care, and they care how many people care. Let me make a weird analogy for you. There was a time when people played video games just to play them, and then you would have those that finished those games, and then they would brag or tell their friends that they finished the game. And then Microsoft came up with this thing called achievement points, at which point when you were connected to the Internet, everyone could see everything that you had done in these games. So if you completed a level and you got 100 points or you got this bonus and you got 50 points and then it was your point totals against everybody else's point totals and you wanted your achievement score to be up there. After that point, anything that didn't have an achievement point to it felt almost worthless because it wasn't about just playing through the game anymore. It was about scoring as many points as you possibly could. The experience was taken away from you. Like you grew up and you played Pac-Man and maybe you knew what your high score was yourself. If you wrote it down, maybe you wouldn't even know that. 
But unless there was a top 10 leaderboard on an arcade or something like that, you wouldn't even know that. But now you have this that's tied to your profile, that's tied to whoever it is that you you are online, and it's, I have 20,000 points on my PS4, and that makes it relevant. Sony had to do the same thing. They had to add points because until they had their little PlayStation deal, it was like you were playing games that no one would ever know that you played and wouldn't know that you beat and wouldn't you wouldn't have these trophies and all these things. That's just pride, and it's really it's fictitious because none of these things are going to matter in the end. None of the likes, none of the comments, none of the retweets, none of that stuff is ultimately going to matter unless you want it to. That's why I continue to look at social media. And, and the reason I say this and say that it can become an issue, and I look at Instagram removing this stuff and wondering what effect that's going to have because no longer, unless you screenshot your own information, or I guess maybe the hide factor isn't something that, that's going to hide automatically. Maybe you have to set it. I'm not sure of that. But there are people that will stop doing it if they can't see the number of, or if everyone else can't see how effective that they've been up to that point. It's unique and it's different. I'll be curious to know what impact at all it has on Instagram, but Instagram's not dumb enough to to make that stuff go away completely because at that point, you just don't feel like it's worth your time because you can't score points anymore. I don't know that that's a good thing or not, but like I said, I look at it. When I post something, I want to know how many people care. I want to see how many retweets, how many comments, all of that stuff, not even the ratioed stuff. That's nonsense to me, but just everything that's put out there. I want to know how effective what I said was. And if there weren't those descriptors, if I just posted something, I never had any idea how many people actually commented on it, said something about it. I probably wouldn't do it, which is why I hope someday, maybe all of them do that because then we can get completely out of this. So I said, Titans are going to lose badly to the chiefs. LSU Bama tomorrow is the big game. By the way, Tennessee tailgate show getting you set for UK up in Lexington, Joey Kent and I, we have Fred White, and we have David Ubbin of the Athletic tomorrow. You don't want to miss that. That'll get you all set for that game. But LSU-Alabama, that's the big one. There's also Minnesota-Penn Minnesota, Minnesota Penn State. I think P.J. Flex days of being undefeated will come to an end. And I think LSU is going to beat Alabama. I'm not getting sucked into this. I think that this is going to be a game that's going to be something like, I don't know, high 30s. It may not get to 40, but I'm thinking like 37-31 LSU. Neither one of the defenses is stellar. I trust Burrow and Brady, and I'm not sure about Tua's health. Even with the wide receiving talent, even with it being in Tuscaloosa, I think LSU's the best team in the country, and I think they prove it tomorrow. Coming up next, another great team. The high school football team here on 104.5 The Zone. My thanks to Murphy Fair as well. We send you to football Friday night. That's right now here on 104.5 The Zone.